0: listening to Roots and Wings, a podcast produced by the Tennessee Commission on Children and Youth. I'm John Newland, the director of Kids Central TM. Do you A children's book from your youth. For example, we all remember the story of The Little Engine That Could and its message of I think I can, I think I can, I think I can. Or what about the cat in the hat and its rhyming double entendres? Well, children's books play a vital role in a child's life, especially young children. Not only do books help keep a child's imagination at play, they also allow family members to bond, and books help a young developing brain grow. Research shows young children who are read to three or more times. A week are nearly twice as likely to show advanced literacy skills. Now, one organization working to put a book in every child's hand is the Governor's Books from Birth Foundation. The foundation works to promote early childhood literacy for children in Tennessee between birth to five years old. The foundation, in partnership with Dolly Parton's Imagination Library, gives every preschooler in Tennessee the opportunity to receive books in the mail. And folks, this is completely free for any family who participates. Now, James Pond is the president of the Governor's Books from Birth Foundation. He joins me now. And James, thank you so much for being a guest on Roots and Wings. Uh,
1: Thanks for having me. Glad to be
0: here. I love books. I love stories. And I have a lot of memories of my, my favorite books from childhood. So I'm so happy that you're here. We're having this conversation. Now, just speaking about the foundation, James, I know the vision of your foundation is to make sure that every preschooler has books in their home to help develop a love not only for reading, and but also to prepare them for school uh, and, and to get ready to succeed. So can you talk a little bit about how books help literacy skills, even for the youngest children?
1: Yeah. So... You know, there's really the simple pieces of it, which I think reading with a a young child before they are um, cognizant that they're being read to or what a book is or what words and letters are, is that one, it's a bonding experience for a parent and child. Um, A child sitting in your lap and having that experience, that tactile experience, I think is very positive for children to have with their parents, grandparents, caregivers. Um, But there's also some real strong brain development going on. So we're watching a child at a very early age um, seeing sights and words. And we have to remember at a very instrumental level that words are simply symbols that have meaning. So if you were looking at Chinese characters, those characters are simply symbols that mean something. And so the more exposure that we're giving young children to seeing those symbols gives them that, that recall that it's something that's familiar, it holds a meaning. And so later on in life, it has an impact on that child's ability to recognize those those words and symbols and what they mean Um, but then there's there's some additional things that we're seeing in terms of a child learning some spatial reasoning right which way is the right side up with a book you read a book from left to right not right to left Um, what's the cover of the book what's the inside of the book they're learning to turn pages so there's a lot of things that are going on with a child just in that single experience between um, an adult and a child
0: and not only that, but I think it's extremely important that, yes, we're, we're kind of specifically talking about the younger age group, specifically the group uh, before they even get into kindergarten. But can you talk a little bit about how if parents are like, well, they're just too young or, or maybe they're not spending enough time possibly reading to their children just because they don't speak a language yet. They don't understand. Can you talk a little bit about or do you know if, for instance, if children aren't having uh, parents read to them or adults read to them, what does that typically mean once they get into school?
1: Yeah. So on the positive side of things, if a parent is reading 20 minutes a day, every single day to that child, they are setting that child up for an enormous success in life. And we have seen that children that participate in in. The Imagination Library early on, by the time they get to kindergarten, they are a hundred times more ready for that experience than children that don't. One of the things that we know is that the brain is making neural connections in the hundreds of thousands every single day from the time that child is born until they reach about three to four years old, and then that process starts to slow down. So if you think about those neural connections that child is making, that 20-minute connection that you're making with that child, sharing that book, letting them see sight sounds, hearing that experience, their brain is experiencing uh, an inoculation, an overdose of, of sort of a um, literary medicine that is going to benefit them in the long run. Children that aren't read to will actually start at a deficit. From zero to third grade, we were watching children are going through the process of learning to read. So you would be taking a child out of five years, Of of training. So imagine a professional athlete that you took away five years of their training and what that would mean to the longevity or a musician take five years away from their practice. So when you're talking about reading for a very young child, you're removing five years of literacy experience that will contribute long term in terms of their participation in graduation from high school, participation in post-secondary education, as well as their career track and their social track. We, We all know that if someone is, quote unquote, well read, it's someone who is doing very well in life. People that
0: don't read often struggle, have very low uh, trajectory in terms of career opportunities. And I believe, you know, I would like to think that our listeners who are listening to us have this conversation are probably like, well, how do I get books? And where do I go and get books? Besides in the obviously bookstore, uh, which they're seeming to shut down a lot. Um, Every single one that I know of." No longer exists. So I know a lot of people are also turning to online platforms. But, you know, your organization, your foundation, it relies heavily on the partnership that you guys have with Dolly Parton's Imagination Library. And that really means that books are sent to Tennessee family homes into their mailbox. Is that correct? That is correct. They don't have to go anywhere, they don't have to go shopping. They can literally receive books. In their home. Um, can you talk a little bit more about that? I understand this year you guys have already sent about 3 million books out to Tennessee residents. So
1: that's per year. So in our 15 years, we are now closing in on about 37 million books that we will have sent out to Tennesseans over the last 15 years. So um, yes, so this is a program that comes at no cost to families in Tennessee. And it's, it's really important to understand how the program works. It was a partnership that was started in 2004. For under Governor Bredesen and the vision was no one was talking about pre-K what's happening to children zero to five years old and in looking at what they could possibly do, Dolly Parton's Imagination Library was also growing at that time. And so the conversation was, could we take this Dolly Parton Imagination Library and make it a statewide program, make it available to every child? And so in a partnership, a public private partnership between the um, governor and the state legislature and the local county affiliates that are in all 95 counties, this program is provided to every child at no cost. And so every month that child will receive a book. And what's wonderful is these are books that you wouldn't normally go into a bookstore and pick. They're, they're things that are um, high quality, very literary rich books that are unique. Every single one I read to my grandson, I'm like, oh my gosh, I would have never picked this book off the bookshelf, but it's a phenomenal book and it, it um, plays to you know, word repetition or um, different kinds of syllables or rhythms, um, certain lessons that are being brought out in the books. So they're
0: high quality books and they're available to every family no cost of course the next question how can someone or how can a family or parent if they're interested in this where do they go how do they sign up
1: so it's very simple if you are a resident here in tennessee you just go to governorsfoundation.org as soon as you get to the website there's a button right at the top that says enroll And get your child enrolled in there. You just fill out the blanks. It'll go to the local county in which you are um, a resident. And that county affiliate then will get your child registered. And it takes about four to six weeks, but you should start seeing books in the mail shortly after that.
0: Wonderful. Now, I know this is obviously, uh, it is available in 95 counties. In your experience, uh, James, do you see that certain counties take advantage of this program a little bit more often than others? And are there specific counties that rarely that we would like to maybe a call for action for those families there to really kind of, hey, you know, this is this is a service and it's for you? <laughs>
1: yeah. Our, our foundation is really focused on wanting to meet the needs of children that need these books the most. We want children that are in the most need of having these resources in their hands. So I would say, you know, when you get into a metro area, uh, you got lots of moms groups and moms are talking, word gets out that there's this book program, lots of children are enrolling. I think when you get out to some of the rural areas, it can be a little more challenging. And so I would really encourage parents or organizations or civic groups or leaders in communities to really make Parents aware that this is a program that's available to them. So I would say we're seeing some of our rural counties are probably under participating. We'd really love to see them see more children participate in those books. Um, as well as I think sometimes parents feel like, well, maybe it's not for me. I can afford to go to a bookstore. Um, I can afford to buy my child books. So I don't want to participate in this. And what I would say to them is that we want them to participate because one of the things that this does is this program becomes an equalizer for all children. So all children are reading The Little Engine That Could. All children are reading Good Night Little Owl. So it's very important to us that we see as much participation in this program as possible because we believe it has a benefit to every child.
0: Now, the foundation's partnership with Imagination Library is one of the most well-known partnerships that you guys have, It's my understanding, of course. But can you tell us a little bit about the other programs and initiatives that your foundation is working on?
1: So, yeah, it's a great question. When, um, when the organization was founded, it was founded because it was a statewide need for early literacy. And what we've seen over the years is that when we've had conversations about early literacy, that was zero to five. Birth to five years old is what we're talking about. Now that the marker's moved a little bit and we're looking at third grade reading scores, and that's becoming a really key indicator for a child's success. And so as a foundation, because that's the way we were founded, we've expanded our strategic vision to be working with children from birth through third grade. And we think that's going to be a critical piece for us. And so um, there's several new programs that we have either been piloting or will be rolling out this next year. Um, Some of those include we're working with the state parks to set up storybook trails. And so these are trails where parents can take their kids and actually read a full children's book in large templates along a, a state park trail so they can enjoy the great outdoors here in Tennessee, weather's much better now so they can actually have some fun. Um, read those books and there's actually some interactive tips and so um, caregivers and parents can actually um, read those tips and questions so they'll be related to the book and or the park and um, we encourage parents to take a look at our website. We've got a list of all the parks that are out there. We'll be adding new parks as the years go by and and our uh, Tennessee State Park folks have been really supportive of this program so we'll see that continue to grow. Um, book buses, we've been doing mobile literacy units out in eastern Tennessee taking a retrofitted decommissioned school bus and turning it into a mobile library, getting it out into rural areas over the summer. And as anyone who's worked in the early literacy world, one of the things that we're seeing is a significant contributor to low reading scores here in Tennessee is summer slide. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, parents parents, and teachers work really hard during the school year to get all of that knowledge into a child's head. And then they go off for summer vacation and it all falls out. And so it has a significant impact impact on a child's third grade reading scores, because if you count the number of summers from kindergarten to third grade, there can be up to a year to a year and a half of reading competency loss. And that has a long-term effect in terms of high school graduation rates, post-secondary education, career path. And one of the most unique things is that um, prisons actually plan their beds based on third grade reading scores. It's such a powerful impact that if they can look at reading scores, they can actually plan the number prison beds um, because they know that it's such a powerful indicator of success.
0: Can you talk, there's a few things I want to revisit with that, James, but you mentioned um, third grade quite often. When and how did studies or research show that this is the age and this is the reading level? Well, why is that age so important? Let me just ask that.
1: Yeah. Um, It's the transition that a child is making when from birth to about third grade, a child is learning how to read. After third grade and beyond, a child is reading to learn. And so that transition is extremely powerful because now we're weighted on a child's ability to recognize um, words, letters, sounds. Um, but also the reading comprehension side, right? They're building a knowledge base. So if they don't have the ability to sit down with a book, they can't take that information in, they can't comprehend it. And then it's sort of this downward spiral where then we see children that become um, weak readers struggling with reading comprehension. By the time they've hit middle school or high school, now they're really struggling with information. And so that's when we see high, high school dropouts, we see children not attending school, we see society. Suspension rates going up, so that transition from learning to read to reading
0: to learn happens right at that third grade mark. You mentioned uh, the summer slide. Yes. We are about to go into the winter slide or the winter months in a little bit, and the winter slide might not be as dramatic because kids aren't out of school as long. Um, but what, what being that you mentioned the summer slide and just how much that can uh, change the trajectory of students, with the winter slide coming up, what kind of advice, the best advice would you have for parents right now? If you have a school-aged children,
1: I think one of the most powerful things you can do is to encourage reading. So making time where you as a parent are also reading. Um, I know on the weekends, we all gather together in one room and everyone gets books and we sit and read together. And so i I would encourage parents, read to your children, read with your children, but also be an example and be a a parent who is an active reader yourself and make that a part of that engagement. I think so often it's very easy for us to just kind of gather around the television, turn it on and let it entertain us rather than making a practice of making literacy a family activity and something that we're encouraging in our own lives so that our children see it as an example.
0: That's a good point. I think uh, adults a lot, they tend to um, get fixated on their phones. Mm. And that's about it. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's becoming default mode. And I, I think, um, you know,
1: you had mentioned earlier, too, that a lot of people are looking at digital platforms. And I would say to parents of very young children, I would try to avoid that as much as possible, because there is a, a tactile connection a child is making with a physical book that in research studies they looked at a child who was read to in a physical book where they could turn the pages and then a child who is read to on a digital device like a, a kindle or an ipad and what they saw is that a parent uh, reading or a caregiver reading to a child a physical book the child could touch the pages bite the book um, pull it the the pages touch the actual physical book, but on a digital device, often the parent was actually struggling to keep the child from putting their hands on it, so now it becomes a negative interaction. So I would really encourage, if you've got young children, try to keep them off those digital devices. Trust me, I've got grandkids. Um, Every once in a while, watching a kid's video is completely fine, but I think to sit down with that book is a powerful exchange that you're making, um, adult to child, that, that I think will pay off dividends.
0: Thank you so much for bringing that up. You mentioned as well, and I want to go back to this too, just in regards to young children around that third grade level as they've already been learned how to read and now they're using what they know to actually learn more just in general. Um, but. So many times, working just here with the Commission on Children and Youth, James, I we're seeing just more numbers of children with learning disabilities, um, and parents who have concerns about their children who may have learning disabilities. How much does that kind of play into a, a being able to read, for lack of better words? Uh, but that also does it. Sometimes, do you think can deter parents who, if they know their child does have a learning disability? well, you know, they might not be reading to them as much or having their children read as much. Do you think that's a concern? I, I think it is, and I, I would encourage
1: parents to do it anyway. We, we don't know what's happening inside the brain. It's such a complex Mechanism and organism that I would encourage parents to do it anyhow. Um, if you suspect that your child has a learning disability, I would definitely have them tested. I would definitely talk to your pediatrician about what next steps might look like. But that reading experience um, has both, I think, psychological and emotional implications for that child. So it's still a bonding experience. They're still hearing those words. They're still seeing those words on the page and making those connections And we don't know long, Term, what the benefit of that might be, but I would say it's, it's better safe than sorry, and I, I would look at it as, a, as an investment.
0: Well said. I, I'm curious, just out of my personal um, cu- curiosity, James, what is, do you have a book from childhood that has stuck in your head, a story that you always go to, or now that you have grandchildren that you always want to read to your grandkids? <sighs> Oh, you know, a lot of the books that I had when I was a kid are outdated.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I I think as a child, Dr. Seuss was always my favorite. So, you know, between Green Eggs and Ham and... um, Cat in the Hat, those were probably two favorites, but I think there's so many great books now that, uh, quite frankly, out of the Imagination Library, uh, the books that have come out, some of those are becoming my favorite. So um, the the Llama Llama books are a favorite in our house, um, as well as some of the new ones. Uh, if I Were a Kangaroo is one that I absolutely love reading, um, more for me than for my grandson, but he loves it. so.
0: How old is your grandson, I'm curious? He is 10 months. 10 months? 10 months. Wow, that's awesome.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I would encourage parents. I know that a lot of parents would be really hesitant to think, well, what what in the world could a 10-month-old be experiencing? But what I've watched over time is because we've been reading to him 20 minutes every day, he's starting to pay more attention to that experience, starting to really look at the books, interact, and we can actually see growth happening month over month. And so as parents are doing this, I think you'll see your child actually learn to enjoy that by the time they're able to be verbal, they'll be asking parents to read those books to them.
0: How exciting is that to be a loved one seeing this progression? I mean, you know the statistics behind what you're doing since you work with the Governor's Books of Birth, From Birth Foundation, but to see that personally with your own grandson, I mean, what does that feel like?
1: Oh, it's incredible. It's incredible. I, w- one, I think this is incredible work, and I'm, I'm extremely honored to have the opportunity to lead this team and doing such phenomenal work. But I think... Um, It's for me personally, my son was born, grandson was born in 2018, so he will be a third grader in 2025 when the state is really looking to increase third grade reading scores. So I feel like, as um, a leader, as someone working in this organization, I have some skin in the game in terms of seeing this program and the work that we're doing around early literacy succeed. Mm
0: -hmm. I want to also, I can't uh, end this conversation without acknowledging. You guys, obviously, October is a big month for the governor's books from Birth Foundation. It's the foundation's 15th anniversary. Now, when you look back at the work that the foundation has done, is doing, and will continue to do, um, what are your thoughts and what are some of your goals moving forward for the foundation?
1: Yeah, You know, hitting that 15-year mark, I think we have seen as an organization that we've gone from being a book delivery program to becoming an early literacy foundation. And so we see us really stepping out in a much larger way in the early literacy landscape and really getting out, um, building partnerships across the state to create a more holistic approach to to what we're doing. So we've put a lot of books in children's hands. We're going to continue to do that. Uh, Two other things I should mention that we're, we're adding to our arsenal is that we have had for years, we've had people ask whether or not we would be taking the Imagination li- Library beyond five years old. And so we're actually going to be starting a summer reading program, book program for uh, children. We're going to be piloting, this will be our first year this summer, Um, but we'll be looking at providing that as a statewide program down the road. And so we want Tennesseans to keep an eye on how that's growing and um, that should be a huge benefit. We're also looking at developing a a caregiver engagement program. Uh, One of the things that we have been asked as an organization is it's an amazing thing to put books in the hands of children. What are we doing to really help educate the people that are caring for these children? And one of the astonishing statistics I learned as I was traveling the state in the first four months of, of uh, taking it over as president was that um, in some counties, we have upwards of 75% of caregivers are grandparents. And so what resources could we provide to grandparents to help them become better educators, um, better early literacy specialists for their grandchildren and families? And so uh, that's another program that will be coming online in 2020. So we're really looking at where do we go from here and how do we continue to benefit children in the most positive way possible and see them become lifelong learners?
0: On a bigger scope, James, is there any certain um, legislation or policy that the foundation kind of has their eye on in regards to early literacy and reading?
1: You know, there's not. We have we've kept an eye on what you all are doing at TCCY. Um, we've been watching what's happening with um, uh, TQI and in terms of the the uh, legislation that they've been doing. Um, but because we're a bipartisan organization, we've sort of kept ourselves out of the out of the fray in terms of promoting any one thing. But I think you know. Um, I think rising tides raise all boats. And so we've been looking at the positive work that you all have been doing with legislation. And so we just see that being an autocorrect and consistent and aligned with what we're doing as a foundation.
0: Wonderful. I, I, I hope our listeners really take advantage of the foundation. It's, it's wonderful. Uh, and not only that, but... Recently I've been able to spend I, I don't have any children, James myself, but I, I get to spend a lot of quality time with really young kids and then I get to hand them back to their parents. Yeah. <laughs> it's like being a grandparent. Right. I was like, this the best thing ever. Um, but just you know, just the look on their faces, and I love to read and, and just you know, talks specifically, but um, you know, the bonding experience. I think uh, if you're looking for a way to to really bond with young either grandkids or kids in general, or if you're just an adult who cares for your your kids' friends and they happen to be over. like Help them a little bit, you know?
1: Absolutely. I think all of us as, a, as adults have a responsibility to mentor the children that are around us and, and to seed into them in a positive way. And so I, I think that's wonderful. Those are great interactions and they're things that those children will remember for
0: a long time to come. Is there anything else about the governor's books from birth foundation or is there anything you'd like to let our listeners know about how they can learn more if there's a website i'm sure there's a facebook page
1: (laughs) there there is so you can find us on social media if you go to governor's Foundation.org. Um, there's information there. I would keep an eye on us as we come into our 15th year anniversary this January. We're going to be making a lot of exciting announcements. There's going to be some new things coming online. Um, I think there's going to be a whole new look and feel. So we'd really encourage people just keep an eye on us as we're getting through these um, winter months. We're uh, busy like Santa's elves preparing for what's about to launch, but it's all contributing in a positive way to the early liter- literacy landscape. And so, um, uh, if they want to, they can find us on social media
0: at TN Imagination uh, on Facebook and on Instagram. Thank you so much, James. And I know uh, you mentioned, obviously, the winter months coming up. And I will say to our listeners, children's books make great gifts.
1: <laughs> they, they do. And don't count out the bookstores. I heard Amazon is opening a physical bookstore. Oh, okay. So they haven't gone away quite yet. And, um for those of us um, ardent, hardcore people, we're hoping that uh, paper books never quite go away.
0: There's something about it, James, the smell of it, the feel of it. Um, there's just something about having a physical book. You're right. I haven't made the, the switch to tablet. I'm not sure if I ever can, but I'll, I'll carry around a two or three-pound <laughs> book before I do anything else. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for, for being a guest, James. Is there anything else I did not say that you want to make sure you add? Mm, no. No, I think this was great. Thank you so much. Um, Thanks for having us. Thank you to all all of our listeners. You've been listening to Roots and Wings. I'm Jonquil Newland.